Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Grace Thumser. On tonight's show, we have our featured music, your LGBTQ plus headline, news headlines and the LGBTQ area event calendar. But first, Jacques Roger joins us on the show to speak about various topics in today's world, including freedom of the press under... President Trump and the process of sports figures coming out. Um, Jacques is a master's student studying sports broadcasting in the media school at Indiana University. Um, he's been with us before. He's also the sports director of the IU student um, television and uh, a teaching assistant at IU. And welcome, Jacques. <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah, glad you're back with us. So there is a lot to talk about, um, especially um, the conversation that we've had recently about um, sports figures and and just in general, everyone is being affected by this new administration and um, many new regulations uh, regarding everything from immigration, uh, travel, things like that. Um, what are what are your thoughts right now and what's going on? Well, if I may, this is obviously one of my favorite topics. You always may. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a journalism junkie, a journalism major. Um, so obviously the First Amendment is very important to me. One of my main issues with what's going on with the Trump administration now is not his desire to say whatever he says it is well within his right it is well within anyone's right to say whatever they want to say this is where the problem does come in the problem comes in when you start to believe it okay mm-hmm. now one of the comparisons that i always like to make is you have the people who say that two plus two is four and the people who have two pl- who say that two plus two is five we don't have to give attention to both of them But for some strange reason, over the course of journalism within about the past 25 to 30 years, we have decided that we need to be a little more balanced. And we call it fair and balanced journalism. And balance has nothing to do with it. Sometimes you just do not need to give credence to things that are not true. The first duty of any journalist is to always do no harm and inform the public. So if you're doing anything outside of that, then you're going to give a lot of access for people to uh, misinterpret your intention and be underinformed or misinformed. So the fact that Trump is doing what he's doing, I allow him to do it. I don't think anyone needs to be mad at him for doing it, because in my opinion, it's the fault of the journalists for not doing their job over the past 20 years, for bowing down to sensationalism, for bowing down to ratings. If you never make a penny in journalism, that should be okay. If you're not popular in journalism, that should be okay. If you are jeopardizing the standards of truth and reporting for the sake of access, I remember I know that there have been quite a few times when I've heard in the newsroom, well, let's not use that soundbite because we might need them for a story later on. No, you use that soundbite. 
because your duty is to the public. Just like the government's duty is to the public, the journalist's duty is to the public first. Mm -hmm. So I don't fault President Trump at all for what he's doing. He's taking advantage of the fact that we're sort of on this campaign now, if I may continue, because I I do tend to ramble. Oh, Um, I'm, I'm with you. You have to. None of these things are isolated. And what I see right now is a public attack on the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it starts with religion. So we've gotten people to hate anything that's not Christian. Okay. Even though this country has been founded upon the freedom of religion. So we've gotten people to hate and ostracize against religion. Then if you look over the past couple of years, when you look at what's happened with Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, mm-hmm. we've gotten people to start hating protesting. Right. Don't hate the protest. You might disagree with what they're talking about, but do not infringe upon people upon people's right to protest. That is the First Amendment that gives them the right to protest. Right on. So we have gotten to a point where we're hating we're hating religion, which is in the First Amendment. We're hating protest, which is in the First Amendment. Well, I've gotten you to hate that. How much further <laughs> can I take this bad boy? Right, right. And now I'm getting you to hate the press. The next thing they're going to get us to do is hate any type of assembly, Mm -hmm. which is also your First Amendment right. And, of course, the last one is your right to petition the government. If people are not careful and people do not pay attention, they are going to willingly let them legally take away the Mm -hmm. First Amendment. Right. And that is so dangerous in this country. You are, I, I think you've, you've given a pretty accurate timeline of, so far, of, of what's happened, of, of the chipping away, if you want to call it that, of, of the, the First Amendment. And, of course, you know, many of us can see um, and feel that there's an agenda there, that there is a reason that that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's really... I, I I I agree with you that it is it's very unsettling to say the least that we're seeing this happening and especially in my opinion at such a rapid rate you keep seeing this you know on social media what is it 45 days only 45 mm-hmm. days or 30 days okay maybe he's 45 maybe it's 30 days I'm I'm not sure but it it, it it's it's happening faster and faster and faster and and well it's not so much that it's happening faster it's mm-hmm. just that we're paying attention to it now <laughs> see a lot of things have already happened that we just were not paying attention to we didn't want to pay attention to refused to pay attention to mm-hmm. until all of a sudden something happened on November 9th well November 9th is too late Mm-hmm. It's way too late for some of the things. Am I glad to see that people are protesting? Yes, I am. But it's too late at this point. Well, there's the discussion that, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the people who are, are trying, let's look on the positive side of things, right? It's waking up a lot of people. It's making people who are in the past have just been voters activists. But the problem with that, though, Jeff, is you only have one time a year, mm-hmm. one time every four years, one time every two years. Right. For it to matter. Sure. 
Sure. And whatever you're doing those other 364 or in a leap year, 365 days, that does not go towards that one day that you're supposed to do your duty. It's all for naught. Because what happens is you've put the politician in power and mm-hmm. the po- politician on paper, at least, is doing the will of the people. But that's not what's happening. Right. So I think one of my biggest issues with with Trump being elected is this that, you know, it's pretty much we went to the swamp, okay, and we're crocodiles, you know, and we don't necessarily like the swamp. And so we see something over there that looks like a crocodile and say, hey, you, you're going to drain the swamp for us. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm (laughs) going to do. But we don't know the difference between a crocodile and an alligator because we don't we don't pay attention to those things. The person who was supposed to tell us what the crocodile versus the alligator was, they're not doing that anymore. We're not going out and looking it up ourselves. So we've given the responsibility of draining the swamp right. to an alligator. That alligator is not going to drain that swamp. That's where he lives. That's where he thrives. It is the crocodiles who live on dry land, not the alligators. You can't give an alligator the power to drain his homeland and expect him to drain his homeland not going to happen. Well, so so Jacques, you are, are studying sports broadcasting in the media school, right? Correct. So how has this been affecting what the media school teaches? I think you, I think, I think journalists in general, um, I think this is as close to a wake-up call as it can possibly get for our profession. Sure. Um, I tell people all the time, uh, and, you know, I, I, I may or may not have a decent reputation in news circles, don't know, don't care. But I do know that I have a different philosophy when it comes to mm-hmm. how we treat news. And mm-hmm. one of the issues leading up to the campaign, no matter what side you might feel about Trump, because there are some good things about the man, I'm sure, and there are some, some bad things. Well, we all heard the bad things about Hillary. But, you know... There are some good things about the guy and there's some bad things about the guy. My biggest issue, I would get in trouble in my newsrooms for not running his sound bites. And the question would be, why are you not running it? I'm like, because it does not need to be run. Mm-hmm. There is no right. sense in giving attention to someone who does not deserve it mm-hmm. at all. And that's what journalists did. Because right. in the journalist's mindset, everyone at home is just as informed as me. So they're going to mm-hmm. laugh along with me. No, mm-hmm. they are turning to you to be informed. So if the only thing you're right. doing is running that soundbite and you're not putting it in context, mm-hmm. all you're doing is trying to tell the people there's only one person running. Who are you going to vote for? This one person? Right. And then if he, if the only thing you're running is the soundbite that he's saying and is condemning his opponent, that's all they're going to listen to because the public is not as informed as the journalists. That's right. why they're tuning in to the news. Sure. Yeah, well, absolutely. we were, we have been trained over, over the, 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 the many years that, the journalism, you know, the media, what we hear is is information coming to us that is actually it's I, I don't want to say facts because we 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 maybe well, one point we thought that it was it was always true and, and that it was facts. But uh, if nothing else, just absolute statements or information that is supposed to allow us to know what's going on, not 
this reality television kind of world that uh, seems to be weaved well, by what, the new administration. What happens is this. You have to go back. You know, I love Ted Turner. I'm a Georgia boy. If you've listened to any of my stuff, you know how proud I am to be from the Peach State. And one of the products of the Peach State is CNN. CNN is probably one of the worst things to happen to news mm-hmm. because of the 24-hour news cycle. And it has created the fact that we've got to be first. We don't have to be right. Mm-hmm. We have to be first. And the journalists will always fall back on, well, I don't have to be right about it. I just have to tell you what I was told. And then that's supposed to be my scapegoat. Is that, well, I, I did my due diligence. I found the sources and the source misinformed me. So it's not my fault. No, it is your fault. Because what you bow down to, those ratings, that sensationalism, you heard it first and you want it to be first. First in journalism is not, should not be your priority. Being timely, yes. Timely and first are two totally different things. So that's what you're referring to when you say the 24-hour journalism. Yes, the 24-hour news cycle. So what the 24-hour news cycle means is there's got to be something going on at all times. Sometimes, no, there really isn't something going on. (laughs) Sometimes people are asleep. Sometimes people are in transit. Sometimes people are at work. Sometimes there's not something going on. But what has happened is in order to fill up that 24-hour news cycle, they had to find something. So what do we end up doing? Well, we end up reporting that crime, you know, someone just got murdered. Mm -hmm. Someone just robbed. Mm -hmm. And then we don't put that in any context. And then someone just goes and looks at the numbers on the FBI website and realizes that crime has actually been on the decline, a drastic (laughs) decline since the 70s. But it's reported more. So when you ask the person at home, is crime on the rise? They're certainly going to tell you, yeah. Right. Because the news gives the impression that it is on the rise. But that happened because they went for the low-hanging fruit. And the low-hanging fruit is to go to the crime beat. The crime beat did two things. It made sure that you had something to fill that 24-hour news cycle. And it's sensational because people are nosy. They're going to want to tune in when you're talking about blood and gore, when you're talking about somebody getting, getting robbed. And this is what it has come to. This is the today we have arrived at. And then the journalist wants to sit back on his high horse and say, how did this happen? How did we get here? Mm -hmm. No, if you pay attention, you know very well how we got here. You just don't want to admit it because then that means that you were questioning what you've done. And how dare we ever question what the journalist does? It's okay for the journalist to question the president, to question Mm -hmm. the government. But Mm -hmm. how dare we ever question what the journalist does? I say for me, one of the most annoying stories that I ever hear is the White House press correspondence dinner. Mm -hmm. I hate hearing that story. Mm -hmm. It has never run on a show that I've produced. It is a self-serving story, journalists talking about journalists. That's not what you're there for. Mm, I see. What what parts of the media do do you feel are are under fire the the most? What you You mean, like what what groups or just in general? In in general, what specifically with Trump's uh, assault on the media and how he's treating the media. Uh, oh, well, 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 what's under attack in this instance <laughs> right. is truth. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he is certainly attacking those stalwarts of our democracy that have been truthful, 
Yes, they may have had a few stories here or there that they may have had to retract or had to do something different on. But he's certainly attacking those things that we hold true as far as like uh, the news reportings and the publications. And he's certainly not condemning the ones that don't. He's actually using those to support what he says. You know, you need a misinformed public. Mm -hmm. So if I want as much power as possible, I'm certainly not going to want you to be informed about what in the world I'm really doing. So why in the world would I support education? Mm -hmm. Why in the world would I have a strong education department if I want an informed citizenry to empower itself to the government? You don't want that. You don't want that at all. Jacques, we are going to take a a quick break, a music break, and um, get back with this conversation, okay? Hold on, and um, I'm going to turn it over to Grace. Yep. Uh, So from Indie Current, we have this intro. Uh, Sissy Rocket, hailing from Las Vegas, spends most of her time in New York living and working, but sometimes ventures to the palm trees of L.A. She started piano lessons when she was four and was doing professional performances by age nine. I became Sizzy Rocket when I was 17. I wanted a persona and the name just fit because I was wild and young and stupid and I still am. Of her, of her genre, she says, I guess it's pop or alternative pop, but it's influenced by so many different artists that it's hard to pin down. You can hear the peaches in it, you can hear the 80s pop, you can hear the Drake and the Frank Ocean influence. It's all over the place, but it's very me. I don't think people care much about genres anymore anyway. With her latest release, Dope, here is Sizzy Rocket. Thought we were the cool kids, oh, but now I know, I know better. Heartache is the hardest late at night. Yeah, we got some violent memories deep in Brooklyn, summer. to be over either we can go on like we're supposed to i'm hitting my limit i'm hitting my limit i'm hitting my limit i wasn't so sure but now i just know that you keep me feeling things Deep down, 
be over either We can go on like we're supposed to I'm hitting my limit I'm hitting my limit I'm hitting my limit uh. I wasn't so sure But now I just know That you keep me feeling things If you take that away I'm running on nothing On nothing You are the chemical Killing me slow You keep me feeling things And it hurts But it's dope It's dope It's dope This is Colin Schasperger, and you just listened to Sissy Rocket's latest hit, Dope, here on WFHB. We're back here on Blooming Out interviewing Jacques Rosier. Uh, Jacques is a master's student studying sports broadcasting at the Media School at Indiana University. Um, and we spoke a little bit previously about First Amendment right issues, um, but let's get to some of the more interesting things regarding uh, your own profession. First Amendment isn't interesting? I mean, I think that it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's a very interesting topic, it, it, but I did not go to Indiana to study news. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I went to study sports. Sports, right. So fair enough. You sure. know. Um, some of the more interesting things in the sports world now NFL Combine is going on right now. Uh, you've got you're in the middle of the NBA season, you know, and bas- baseball season is just getting started. It's an exciting time if you're a sports fan. Sure, and and there's also it's an exciting time if you're a gay sports figure. Okay, right. So I see this on a daily basis, and it, it increases, you know, all the time. And you're seeing everything from. Um, Dylan uh, Gick, the gay wrestler from Illinois, who'll be joining Columbia University's team. And that's, uh, you know, doesn't happen where a uh, a, a person comes out um, in, in that field, in wrestling, and 
no no if ands or buts about it you know he came out and he's like yes and i'm i'm going to be at columbia university next year we also have my king johnson mm-hmm. which is fascinating uh fascinating i think it's guy. i think it's just fascinating because of what sport it is though it's right right he okay so he's the first openly gay mm-hmm. now this is where i have to claim my you know admit my ignorance fbs scholarship jacques sorry oh well you've got the right one to ask about that okay so and i'm gonna try to synopsize this as much as possible so in ncaa athletics mm-hmm. you've got the football bowl championship excuse me the football bowl subdivision the football championship subdivision both of those are the two classifications of division one so football bowl that's the indianas the arizonas which okay. is where my king is going of right. the of the world and then the division two that would be at least in football indiana state for example would be fcs okay in basketball they are all division one there's no separate classification but in football it works differently i see and that's mainly because of how a a champion is decided uh the division three division two and the fcs determine their champion by a playoff system and those champions are recognized by the ncaa the fbs champion is not recognized by the ncaa because the champion is not decided by a playoff system and the access to a national championship is not available to every member of the FBS division. Okay. I'm beginning to understand the importance (laughs) of sports journalism because you just uh, taught me a lot in, in the last couple seconds here. Uh, So, and and the other, um, the other area that we're here, you know, we're hearing about is um, the transgender community. And in particular, really, really big story, hot story, transgender athletes like Mac Beggs. And, you know, they, and, and this is um, a person who is um, wrestling, right? Again, wrestling. And the, the story that is, that I'm seeing about the the importance or you know um why people are 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 really focusing on this is the whole participation Mm -hmm. is the priority Mm -hmm. the fact that mac is participating in this is is not something we've seen before well it's not so much something we've never Mm -hmm. seen before but what it is is at the very least um a guy winning a championship in the girls division for all intents and purposes i think over the past couple of years most of us at least in the gay community do understand that gender is not as simple as i was born with a can I say that on air? You know, um, <laughs> we, I was we born, know what you're saying. Right. I was born with something that goes out versus something that goes in. It is not that simple. It's not that simple at all. And we have a better understanding. I think most people, when you're a minority in any in, in any case, be it poverty or when you um, don't have education or, you know, gender or race, You have a better understanding and awareness of some of these little intricacies than other people. But other people are understanding it from their their background. So for them, well, you're a guy and you want to be a guy, but you're wrestling as a girl. 
or excuse me, you were born a girl, so I'm going to treat you like a girl. Yeah. It's like, you can't treat me that way. It's on your birth certificate, and that's what right. is on the books in Texas, which mm-hmm. is why this is all Correct. Right, coming to... Um, so the problem life. with that, and you know, uh, people can feel what kind of way they feel about that. Um, I, I saw some some of my Facebook uh, friends commenting on it, and the issue for me is the people who are in administration need to be educated a lot more about the people who their students are. Mm-hmm. So if this is a case, let her wrestle with the boys. Mm-hmm. I personally don't see a problem. I do see a problem with boys wrestling girls, but I personally don't see a problem with girls wrestling boys at all. I don't. But in an instance like this, especially when you've got someone saying, hey, I would rather be a guy and I'm taking hormones or whatever the case may be to be a guy, and you're still going to force them to go along the lines as, as a female and then sort of, you know, put that little caveat in about, you know, their gender, that's where the problem comes in to me. You can't, you know, administration can't have it both ways. They can't. All right, and Jacques, uh, we still have a lot to talk about, but let's take about 30 seconds for a station identification. And you are tuned in to WFHB, uh, WFHB Bloomington, Bedford, Ellisville, Nashville Community Radio for South Central Indiana online all the time. Quick check of your weather today. Right now at the Firehouse Station, it's reading at about 40, 40 and a half degrees with some rain coming in. Low tonight will be about 25. High tomorrow, 39. Sunny skies on Friday. Friday night, partly cloudy. And we'll have a 0% chance of precipitation with a low of 27. Okay, and you are, we are back actually with um, Jacques Roger. And um, Jacques is talking about, we, well, we've been discussing everything from First Amendment rights, um, the uh, openly gay athletes in professional sports. And that's kind of what we were, we were last discussing. Um, what is it that, um, that you are most concerned about, Jacques, when it comes to uh, athletes uh, trying to accomplish what they're being trying to accomplish, but yet they're they're being held back or limited by everything from um, immigration issues, that's something that is is really popping up a lot, and we're going to see much more of it. Um, teams trying to to go to countries and and participate and they're being told sorry we we don't allow you and i'm mm-hmm. giving you a specific example is after spending five thousand dollars on right. visa applications the tibet women's soccer team were denied entry to the u.s and i, I know maybe not a lot of people saw that story or understand the implications of that but that is something that it kind of shines a spotlight on on this country and you know don't you think a lot of of uh, teams and um, organizations out there um, are going to really start being concerned about their athletes being able to no i don't mm-hmm. um tell me why do you think well the, the sad state of a lot of people within our own country is a lot of a lot of them feel that it's justified. Um, 
because of what they've been told about some of these. So one of the narratives that I heard about the Tibetan soccer team was when they get here, they might run away and hide into the system. And a lot of people in this country feel that way about anyone who comes over here, right, wrong or indifferent, informed, misinformed, whatever the case may be. So a lot of people are okay when they hear stories like this because they don't know any better. They don't know any way to feel otherwise. I don't I don't envision our people within our country having an issue, but I do want to refer to uh, how other countries have received our people. There was a, I believe, a kickboxing tourney in Iraq, and the American team got an ovation. Everyone welcomed them with open arms, in spite of the fact that we have everything going on in our country right now. And I think that that's what Americans really need to sit back and, and, and say, wait a minute. The country, the world are receiving, the, re, the world is receiving our country with love and welcoming. Why in the world can't we do the same? Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably going to be the, the issue for a lot of people is when they see those stories and hear those stories and realize that the narrative of how those people treat our countrymen when we go over there, we should probably start doing that same thing. I think it's when that happens. I don't think people in and of just hearing the stories of people from other countries being rejected, I don't think that's going to get them going. Mm -hmm. I think what's going to get them going is when they hear how we're treated overseas or when they themselves, you know, they take that trip overseas and they're like, oh, my goodness, they don't treat us like this. Mm -hmm. I feel like an idiot <laughs> because of what I've been told. Different. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, love, love conquers all. I'm not going to say I, I tell people, you know, I think I think what's happened with the whole love trumps hate thing is that, you know, people have gotten their syntax messed up. And so they think we're commanding them to love trumps hate mm -hmm. instead of we're actually saying that love overpowers hate. And I think that, you know, we were talking during one of the breaks about how words and definitions are changing. There's strength in the word. There's also strength in how it's delivered. So articulation, we just saw this past week at the Oscars, you know, mm -hmm. something really small that says, you know, best actress, no one sees, but we right. see huge a movie, sure. you know, topography yeah. and design, you know, these things are very important. You know, how things are said, how things are delivered. The articulation is just as important as the word itself, you know. So ha have you um, heard any, let's, let's change the, the, the topic a little bit, any, uh, any gossip lately, anything juicy about new, professional, uh, new professionals or athletes um, right now that are, are, are coming out, are, that... Um, that are not going to, you know, be in the shadows. And um, if, if, if you Google out athletes, it's astounding. We're talking well, it's the sports hundreds. you see them in too, though. I think what we're waiting on, though, mm -hmm. we're waiting to see them in the masculine sports and not once they retire. We're waiting to see them, you know, while they're still playing. Right. So it's it's nice to have like a Mike King Johnson. It's nice to have that. Sure. But what we need is a person who's already in the industry to come out if that's the way that it's going to happen. Unfortunately, uh, some things have happened. The last I heard of a possible um, 
uh, I think it was about six guys in the NFL, and this was a couple of years ago, who mm-hmm. were just waiting, waiting to come out. Right. And they were going to do it as a collective. And the narrative changed on 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 how we treated gay people, and they mm-hmm. went right back mm-hmm. into the closet. Mm-hmm. Well, when I when I when I do look at that, when I Google it, um, and, and I, I'm not being critical, um, but I'm I'm disheartened by the the fact that the majority of of these out athletes came out after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and, and that's not a surprise. See, this is this is what people don't understand, though. Um, in most cases, though, the people in the locker room know. Mm-hmm. They already know who their gay teammates are. Mm-hmm. And it's not an issue for them. For example, and, and if you want a great example of why, you know, things like, you know, your sexual state, your your sexual preference or even your political views are not important. Mm-hmm. Look at what's happened with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The outside perception perception of San Francisco's quarterback is, oh, he's a terrible guy, and he's caused so much disruption in that locker room. Mm-hmm. He just received the highest award that any San Francisco player from within the organization can receive, and they give it to themselves. San Francisco had a terrible year, mm-hmm. and he was always in the news for kneeling during the national anthem, but his teammates love him. So I think sometimes, you know, we misunderstand what's going on in the locker room. They, they know. They know who their gay teammates are. Sure. They know. But it doesn't matter to them. And mm-hmm. it shouldn't matter to the fans. Right. Right. And, of course, it's, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to point fingers. But, but who is it that we, um, that we rely on getting the information from is, is the media. Mm-hmm. And when the media starts spinning it, so that they're catering towards what they think that the that the listeners or viewers are want to hear i think that's where you you get a little bit of the of the deception and it it, it becomes a little bit you know not not quite as well fair. that's because you know media people aren't as informed as they'd like to make you think they are <laughs> they don't know themselves <laughs> Sure. So they, how can they tell you something about something they don't know about? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you'd be surprised when you walked into a newsroom just how, how much of a lack of knowledge a lot of them have on some topics. But you're hoping that with all of those different personalities and characteristics and backgrounds in the newsroom, that within them, their collective is right. informed. That's what you're hoping. But that doesn't always happen. Jacques, I hate to, uh, to, to stop this. This has really been enlightening and very enjoyable. Thank you for spending time with us. Yeah, thank you. No problem. And um, please come back and uh, let's pick up this conversation again. All you got to do is just ask. <laughs> we will. Thank you, Jacques. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, it's now time for our next music break of the evening here on Blooming Out. And for this intro, Nylon has our summary written for us. Boy Toy, the Brooklyn trio, Sarah, Glenn, and Matt, is a total musical gem. Their songs are catchy, fun, and addictive. Floating somewhere between 60s surf jams and 90s grunge rock, Glenn and Sarah both had bands before. You Can Be a Wesley was Sarah's band, and Beast Make Bomb was Glenn's. The two bands toured together at South by Southwest, 
and some smaller tours in New England, then both bands broke up. One night, the two friends began playing together, and they just kept doing it. After their initial drummer moved out west, Matt joined the group, as it is today. Of the name, Sarah says, I came up with a list of names, and Boy Toy, all in caps, was one that I really liked. I secured the band camp. I was like, I'm not letting this name get away. I know it's going to be some project, and then I hit up Glenn. Off their latest release, Putty, here's Boy Toy with Want. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. 
More information on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarryland Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information can be found at quarryland.org. And we now turn to our news director, Noelle Phillips, for this week's LGBTQ plus news headlines. Former Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell, who served as a member of President Donald Trump's transition team, revealed in an interview on Sirius XM Progress that a religious freedom executive order leaked to the press last month is still underway. In the final analysis, what we want is uh, an executive order uh, that will meet the, the scrutiny of uh, the judicial process. Um, if there is no religious liberty executive order, that will disappoint. But a good executive order will not. So we're, 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 we're still in the process. The leaked draft allowed exemptions for those who oppose same-sex marriage, premarital sex, abortion, and trans identity. The draft order was perceived by some in the Trump administration as being too vulnerable to a legal challenge. At the National Prayer Breakfast on February 2nd, President Trump defended religious liberty. Well, I want to express clearly today to the American people that my administration will do everything in its power to defend and protect religious liberty in our land. America must forever remain a tolerant society where all faiths are respected and where all of our citizens can feel safe and secure. Blackwell confirmed in an interview at the Conservative Political Action Conference over the weekend that senior attorney at the Liberty First Institute and Breitbart contributor Ken Klukowski is one of the attorneys in the process of redrafting the order. I think people, uh, small business owners who hold a religious belief uh, that believes that traditional marriage is between one man and one woman uh, should not have their religious liberty trampled upon. And you believe that will be in the next order or any order that comes? I would imagine that that will be strongly and clearly the anchor concept. At the state level, there are renewed efforts to pass so-called religious freedom bills. In Alabama, the Child Placing Agency Inclusion Act allows adoption agencies that are religiously affiliated to honor their faith if they don't think same-sex couples should be parents. The psychiatric community has found no evidence that having same-sex parents harms children. The bill's sponsor in the Alabama House is Representative Richard Wingo. Do not discriminate against these faith-based agencies and force them to place children, foster or adoption into homes that go against their religious beliefs. If we're a follower of Christ, then what matters is what does the Word of God say? What does God say about it? In addition to the bill in Alabama, similar bills based on religious freedom are moving more quickly in Texas, South Dakota, and Oklahoma. The Trump administration selected someone who was likely to be an ally on these state bills. When Attorney General Jeff Sessions was a U.S. congressman, he referred to separation of church and state as something that was recent, unhistorical, and unconstitutional. Over the weekend, the ACLU, who represent transgender student Gavin Grimm, posted a letter on Twitter that was written to Matt Staver, chairman of the Liberty Council. The letter from the Supreme Court instructs the Christian law firm to refer to Grimm as male. Grimm sued the Gloucester County School Board after the board enacted a policy that ordered transgender students to use the restroom that corresponded with their biological gender. 
So for a period of seven weeks after I came out my sophomore year, I used the men's room with no issue and things were fine. There was, I mean, it looked like I was going to have a normal high school experience where I was supported as any other student was. So there was a school board meeting and I had to attend, or I chose to attend and, and they debated whether or not I was to use the men's room there. And then they ultimately decided I was not able to and then I got in contact with the ACLU and we put things in, in uh, motion. More weight rests on the Supreme Court case after the Trump administration withdrew guidance directing schools to allow transgender students to use restrooms consistent with their gender identity. The Supreme Court asked both parties in the case to submit by Wednesday their views on how the case should proceed in the face of the government's changed position. For the school board, a dismissal would leave in place a lower court decision in which it lost. For the ACLU and Grimm, the best hope for progress on transgender rights is a declaration by the Supreme Court that Title IX's ban on sex discrimination requires schools to treat transgender students in a way that is consistent with their gender identity. I, I guess I would say that transgender people have been using the correct restroom for years and years, and we haven't seen rashes of attacks like these. Um, there's no evidence to support that these arguments are valid. And, um, I mean, transgender people are not innately dangerous or perverse. Um, this, this is a line of dialogue that really needs to stop. In the local news, the Indiana University School of Education received a grant that will help advance training for anyone serving LGBTQ youth. The grant will develop educational materials for PRISM Youth Community, a nonprofit youth-led organization. PRISM has been providing training for anyone who works with children to better understand and respond to LGBTQ issues. In global news, the Manchester City Council has announced plans to build a retirement home for LGBTQ citizens, making the project the first of its kind in the United Kingdom. According to The Independent, the retirement home is meant to be affordable to residents, and staff will be trained in LGBTQ matters. Official information about the opening and location remain unannounced. A report by the LGBT Foundation, which was commissioned by the Manchester City Council, stated that 55% of LGBTQ people believe that their identity would lead to negative treatment as they continue to grow older. In 2013, Sweden's first LGBTQ retirement home opened its doors to the public. At the time, Ulrika Vestelund, the chair of Sweden's LGBTQ organization, believed it was essential for similar homes to be created. As you get older and you might need more help uh, from society, you are afraid that you will be forced to relieve, uh, to uh, tell your secrets that you have been trying to keep, for example. So this is, of course, a difficulty. Um, and it's also, it's less common to have children, at least in the elderly uh, generation. So you don't have uh, the same sort of family support structure uh, that many straight people have. Throughout the 19th and for most of the 20th century, male United Kingdom residents could be prosecuted under laws prohibiting sexual activity between men. For Blooming Out on WFHB, I'm Noel Phillips. And thank you, Noel. It's now time for our final music break of the evening brought to us by Queerty. Two forces have driven Chris Willis's career, the church and music. Once on track to spread the gospel word, Willis eventually broke with the genre to follow more mainstream pursuits. After singing backup for the likes of Ricky Martin and American Idol, Willis eventually fell in love with a French pop group and met David Guetta, and the two have had a string of hits together. Music is really what kept me grounded in believing there was hope. When I first got involved in music, my head was still full of negative voices, but I always focused on rising above that and not really knowing how. 
but I just kept it at music. I was like, you know, you know what? I'm gonna make these people love me for my music and my work. And my anxiety shifted because, you know, a lot of the time we do things we do out of fear. We're trying to hide and not be discovered. But I turned it around and really started being more empowered by my color and my sexuality. I didn't see them as liabilities, but I saw them as assets. Thank God for house music, which really gives me a chance to be so many different characters. I can do the rock and roll squalling. I can do the 80s-esque melodic stuff. I'm able to do all of that stuff, but I don't think I would have been able to experience all that I've experienced had I limited myself to just one genre. Here is Chris Willis's latest release with Sean Finn, Come To Me. Pack it up for the open road, break away from all the madness. It's getting too hard to keep the faith. It's time, it's time to get out. Everybody's in a hurry these days to find something to believe in. When you're through running in circles, babe, you just bring it all over to me. It's better you know now than never Come to me, you can always come to me So come on, open up the door It's better you know now than never Come to me, you can always come to me So come on, open up
boys come to me So come on up and out the You are listening to Blooming Out, um, WFHB, and you've just heard Chris Willis' latest release, Come to Me. And uh, to finish tonight's show, it's time for our weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. Coryland Men's Course will be holding their second annual Cabaret and Cabernet tonight from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Oliver Winery. The cost is $45, and it includes a drink and the hors d'oeuvres. It's a major fundraiser. It helps the course raise money for new musical selections, educational programming, and travel around the state. And it's a lot of fun. More information can be found at coryland.org. And on Sunday, join DJ Aaron Tilford at Monsieur. Monsieur is a weekly event at the Root Cellar Lounge beneath Farm Bloomington. DJ Tilford will start spinning the beats beginning at 8 p.m. The Hoosiers Out Together Conference 2017 will be held at Purdue University March 31st to April uh, April 2nd. The cost is $15 for students, $25 for non-students. Hot Con is the first college conference to focus on the history present conditions, and future visualizations of LGBTQ plus people in Indiana. Over three days of workshops, presentations, activities, and panels, we will explore the challenges that face us as LGBTQ plus Hoosiers. Hot Con is space for students, facility, staff, and community members. And continuing the long list of RuPaul's Drag Race contestants at the back door, on Friday, April the 14th, Courtney Act will perform. More information can be found on Facebook. And finally tonight, begin preparing your stomach for Prism Youth Community's Rainbow Pancake Brunch. That's on April 15th at the Universalist Unitarian Church in Bloomington. More information can be found on Facebook. And that is all the time that we have for you this evening. Uh, We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. And if you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. The news director is Noelle Phillips. The music curator is Grace Thumser. Finally, our music theme is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Jeff Poling, I'm Colin Schasperger. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. Blooming Out.